Welcome back, friends, to this week's episode of the Courage Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Love, and today I am very excited to have Becky, who's coming all the way from the UK, and for her to share her crazy but amazing story. And I feel like more things like this need to be talked about, Becky, and people need to hear from people like you about your story, because I feel like we've gotten to this phase in as a society about when we get diagnosis and we think that this is like the end all be all, but we don't realize how much actual choice we have in the matter and that we have our minds and our bodies are so powerful that it that it can do whatever we want if that's truly what we want to decide. So Becky's journey started back in March 11th of 2023 when she found herself on the brink of life and death. In midst of the chaos and her racing through her mind and all the knowledge she had to share and all the lessons that she still wanted to teach, the love and the pride that she had to share with her family and she had so much left to give. So she was at this crossroads when her life was forever changed. The days following after this incident, incident, the doctor shared five short words with her that have completely changed the trajectory of her life. You have two brain tumors. So this is her story of her resilience and how she is here to remind us that we do really have the power to not only change and control our thoughts, but to rewrite our own story and to know that we are the creators of our reality. So Becky, tell us about this crazy event. Oh my goodness. So starting from the very, very beginning to say that even before the event, if somebody would have said to me, this is 2023, this is what it's going to look like. I would have just, I think I would have run in the other direction. Um, (laughs) My, first of all, what started for me with having, going out for a belated birthday lunch with a friend, I we were eating and I started to notice mm, the end of my finger just feels a bit numb. I didn't say anything. And then we, 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 we were having randomly, I've known her for 10, 10 or more years. We had this random conversation about life or death over lunch. She's scared of everything. I'm kind of more, a bit more resilient and like things don't really worry me and what have you. And she's like, don't talk about that. Well, you know, really like paranoid that we're going to like, I was like, no, you know what? Personally, I just believe that when we die, we die. I believe in energy transfer. Like, you know, I believe <laughs> certain things, but I, I'm quite comfortable with the fact that when we die, we die. And anyway, we had this really weird conversation about life and death that we've never, ever had before. And then as I walked away from her, I, I thought, oh, that was really weird with my, thing, my finger. And as I felt it progressively, more of my finger felt numb. And then I thought, just put it down to, I'd changed my gym routine and I was doing more pulling exercises. I thought maybe muscularly I've done something. As the days went on, a couple of days went by and this progressive numbness started to travel up my hand and up my arm to the point where I couldn't even hold a pair of socks in my hand. They would just fall out. So I went to my osteopath just to get some, to check me over. And he he said, "Mm, I don't really know. Like he did some tests and what have you. And and he said, I don't really know. This seems like it might be neuro, but not stroke. He he was like, I don't want to worry you. I was like, no, it's okay. Like, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And he said, "If, if you're not okay by a couple of days time, then we'll be looking to get you some more tests. And I came home. My dad walked me home because I couldn't drive by this point. 
because I just couldn't hold my gear stick. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm a mum. I need to be responsible. I went in and got some tests at um, accident and emergency. And they they just said, you know what, you've got good blood return in both hands. The temperature is pretty similar. We don't know what's going on, but if anything changes, come back. And uh, very different to, the, to America. The UK is obviously, we don't pay for our directly for anything that we have so it's kind of a very stretched system and um if you need to be treated then you're treated but other than that it's like let's just wait and see and you know um mm-hmm. the very urgent is prioritized anyway I came home and again I was nothing had changed or improved I was and um well, I was having a sleepover with my daughter in our lounge because my eldest daughter and husband had gone away for a couple of nights abroad the night that they came back, we said, wake us up when you get home, 12 o'clock at night. They wake us up. We said, you know, hi, so lovely to see you. They went up to bed. They were so tired. As I was, went, we both went to sleep on the cushions in our lounge in our front room, me and my 14-year-old daughter. And then something woke me up. Um, it was my hand. My hand was down by my side. But it started turning inwards. And I thought, oh, whatever's gone to sleep maybe it's just waking up you know maybe (laughs) something resolving itself in hindsight now obviously I know and then my left arm started turning in and out and then my shoulder and then my face and my face started going up and down uncontrollably I I had you know it was just happening to me and I was like I'm not okay something's going on I woke up my daughter asked Jasmine Jasmine wake up wake up mum's not very well you need to find me an ambulance and she just freaked, understandably, you know, being woken up out of your sleep at 14 year old with your mum, who always looks after you going, you need to look after me. And she mm. freaked. And I said, just go up and get daddy. He will sort it out. Tell him, I think I'm having a stroke. Obviously, now I know not having a stroke. That's just a drop of the face. And he came down and um, long story short, he phoned the ambulance and they said, you are category one, so you're like top importance, but it could be 60 to 90 minutes. That's how stretched we are in the UK. There's no guarantee. They can't tell you how long it's going to be. And I, at that point, I was just like, actually, I can't. I'm struggling to breathe now. Like I, I literally was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take another breath. I was like, get, get me into hospital. So he was going to get dressed, get my other daughter sorted. My youngest daughter was getting me dressed. And again, I just thought, oh, my goodness, I can't. I don't know if I'm going to be able to breathe. I was like, I can literally just stop at any moment here. This could be the end of my life. That is the point at which Mm. I got to. And I just grabbed her leg. I just said, I love you so much. Just keep being who you are. I'm so proud of you. And she was like, mommy, mommy, please don't, don't, don't. She knew what it meant. And I said, I just have to say that. And anyway, I managed to keep just all I could think about was just take another breath, take another breath. Every bit of my effort was going into taking another breath. And then they got me into the car. My youngest daughter's holding me up. My body's just going from side to side. They drive me there. And I just said to my husband, you've got to keep looking at me because if I stop breathing, you need to pull me out of the car. Phone 999. They'll tell you how to do chest compressions. And don't be scared of hurting me. Just do whatever you need to do. Anyway, they got me there. My husband went the wrong way twice. <laughs> Out of sheer panic. He hit the limiter on the car. It went down to like five miles an hour. He's like, what do I do? <laughs> they got me in. And the next bit's quite a blur for me because it was just like, you know, like just, just focusing on trying to breathe. Everything's going on around me. They gave me something to like, either like an anti, like anti-seizure drug or something to sedate yeah. me or something. I remember being lifted on for a scan. 
um, leaving my family, getting lifted on for a scan. And then the next thing I remember just being told by this dark haired doctor, female doctor, you have two brain tumours. Do you want us to tell your family? And I said, yeah, just tell them. And then I can't really remember. They've told me that I was just crying or we're all hugging each other, as you can imagine. And yeah. that for me was my my first moment was like, I can't, I don't know if I'm going to breathe. That was like an edge of life moment, as I describe it. The second thing was just thinking when I received that news, just thinking, shit, like I'm 44. I'm not ready to die. I feel robbed. And I was like, that is not useful. Feeling robbed is just making me suffer. Like life owes me nothing. This next thought was like looking at my girls and just thinking I'm not ready to go. I have too much to teach and impart. Like these things were just coming to me. And then I just remember thinking, like thinking in this way or thinking in a negative way was just like, whoa, that's suffering. Like right here and right now, what's happened has happened. But I'm certain, like I'm adding to this problem here by my, my thinking. And that for me was just the start of a really important, significant point in my journey to realise that I have a, like this has happened. But I can add to this problem now by my thinking through like causing myself to suffer, or I can take hold of this situation and think about how do I want to experience this, and that was like the start of something really powerful for me. I love that because I've talked a little bit on here, and especially more to like people in my personal circle about our awakening and how it's different for everyone. And it usually happens in layers. And for some people, it's it's su like more subtle things that happen. Like, you know, oh, a friend dropped off. You lost a job, like more subtle things. But for other people, it's massive things like huge illness, death, injury. You know, you lose someone tragically that's really close to you. Or like you, you had a very sudden diagnosis, you know, that you could have sat and like wallowed in the sadness and the, you know, the anger and everything. But no, you, you decided that you wanted to choose something different and that you get to decide how this plays out. Yeah. I think, you know, um, looking back, I mean, even in the weeks afterwards, I realized this, but now I'm months of after, um, being in you know November now looking back I've had so much time to process and think about a lot of things that happened during that time and there was things leading up to that time mm. that I now know if I hadn't had them if I hadn't had them in place the experience would have been different for me so for example Katie Byron wrote a book called Loving What Is and it talks about the acceptance of reality. And if you try and go against that acceptance of reality, you're causing yourself to suffer, like mentally you're suffering. So you're either, for me, that moment where I was like, okay, this has happened and it was really important to accept that this has happened. I knew from what I'd read, you know, if I had never read that, I don't think the thought would have, maybe it would have, who knows, but I don't think, because it was such at the forefront of my mind that I'd read this information, it made a profound impact. I was like, whoa, this is a great way of looking at life. And it made sense to me that I was able to draw on it in the moment. I thought, yeah, this, this thinking leads to suffering. This thinking leads to mm. peace. And I need peace because 
physically what's happened to me I can't change but mentally I like I'm I've got this real sense over the next couple few days of a drawing of the like drawing a line in the sand and starting of a chapter two of my life because mm. in that in that moment where it's like I can't breathe and you know just that I didn't have my life flash before me as such but I had a realization that I've been here 44 years on paper I have a really amazing life like I've got a lovely family I've got a roof over my head I have my basic need you know I have my needs met I have food I'm not struggling to um for anything in life really you know I'm not we're not super rich or whatever but I have my basic needs met and yeah. on top of that you know it then comes down to actually you're then creating your own suffering or your own peace within that determined by your thinking determined by the steps you take the actions you take in your life how you create your life and set it up is going to be how you experience it mostly because some you know there are big things that happen but they're few and far between on a day-to-day basis how we think about life what we create for ourselves the conditions we create for ourselves and the choices we make really adds up to become our life oh compounded over a period of time so you know this it's like now I'm in this position where my basic needs are met and actually realising that I've missed life. I've, I've just got this feeling, I've missed life. I've had so many moments in life where it's like, you know, on paper everything's good, but I've had 45 years and it's quality of my life that I've missed through my own thinking, because of my mindset, because of like my beliefs, because of my thoughts, because of my assumptions, because I've stressed about the things that don't need to be stressed about, because I've not been present in the moment, I've been distracted and thinking about the future, or because I've been like in the past this happened and I've carried that forward with me. I just knew. I didn't know how I was going. I was determined at that point that, you know what, however long I have to live, I don't know. At that point, I was like, this is my diagnosis. This is what I've been told. I don't know how long I have to live. I have this huge uncertainty ahead of me, which felt unsettling. But knowing that I was creating certainty within myself through my thinking and my inner state felt really comforting. But just knowing that I, you know, I, I, I now am going to make sure that however long I have left is quality time, that I am mm-hmm. present in the moment, that I'm not distracted by the things that doesn't, don't matter. For me, that drew a real line between peace and suffering, but also a significant um, step that happened for me for the next four weeks after I was um, diagnosed and when I got home set, sent waiting for my brain um, surgery, I had such peace like peace like I never would imagine like this deep restful peace like I, I describe it as like when you're lying on a sun lounger when you're on holiday and you're kind of almost falling asleep but you're kind of present at the same time like you can hear the things going on around you but you've just got this deep relaxation within your body where just your physical your mental everything is just like in this sun sun like holiday mode I call it do you I know that's, do you know what that's same. called like the spiritual terms for that no go Go ahead. It's called Sumati. It's called Sumati. What? Sumati. I had that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it was it, that's like a pivotal part in your awakening. And that's like one of the layers within your awakening. There's actually a three part um, movie series that's about, about this. I forgot exactly what it's called, but basically like you have that moment of just complete inner stillness and peace and yes anything outside of you 
doesn't even matter in that yeah, moment. Exactly. Yeah, I would love to know what that that you know that movie the, the series is or because that that was what it was. And now that I'm able to look back, I realised it's also there's another term is called equanimity where you're able to find a mental calmness in the midst of chaos, in the midst mm-hmm. of anything at all. You can find the calmness within, um, and that I know was what I was able to achieve then. And, and it's also referred to as a sage, your sage. Um, mm-hmm. where you've got, you know, your saboteurs on one side and your judge and then you've got your sage, <laughs> which is like the inner essence of who you are. It doesn't worry about anything else. Yep. And uh, that was an incredible, incredible experience that I was completely unexpected if you'd said to me, you know what, you're going to be told you're going to have a seizure, you're going to think you're losing your life, you're going to be told you've got two brain tumours, you're going to undergo brain surgery and I had another bleed at the back of my brain as well in that time. Uh, but actually you're going to feel really peaceful I'll be like how do those two things go together but yeah I mean just the perspective shift of what really matters and then Mm. shifting out what doesn't matter is huge it's hugely Mm -hmm. peace giving and didn't didn't that experience just catapult you it you get this sense of peace one moment but then you get this other like crazy drive to be like okay how do I help other people feel like this too? Right? It's like all of a sudden you feel like your life completely shifts in the terms of what you put your energy towards and your purpose and how you go about your daily life and your every interaction with people changes. Yeah, and I think but I think I had that just slightly earlier than that 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 piece because I remember that piece really coming when I, mm-hmm. when I came home, like two or three days later, when I came home from hospital, it started in the hospital because people were talk, around me were worried and this and that. And I was looking at them thinking, hold on, I'm not investing or listening or absorbing this energy and also mm-hmm. this conversation that's going on around me because it leads to suffering. So I'm not going to allow it in. And, you know, I'm not absorbing that in. I'm going to, you, you guys can think that, but I'm creating mm-hmm. my own thing on the inside. So it started then, but really grounded in when I got home. But prior to that, I remember just being, in, when I was in hospital, I remember a moment where I was just like, okay, this has happened. I'm not going to suffer. I'm going to create my internal state. And also I'm going to do that, but I'm going to help other people to be able to do that in the future as well. And that started the the start of a vision that then um, became a really strong anchor for me. Any time in which my body would go into like a fight or flight stressed response, you know, where I'd have like shortness of breath. It was like a physical thing for me rather than a mental thing. And um, or someone would say something to me and I had to process what they were saying. Like I had the nurse come up to me, the cancer nurse, and she said, this, what we what we found in your brain is this, is looks like stage one, but it looks like you're, it's, it's a sign, a secondary sign of cancer and elsewhere within your body is the primary source and that's what we're going to look for. So... So I had different things being said around me all the time and this this uncertainty and I decided within myself, I'm going to help other people and I, I need certainty in this time. So the two things kind of came together for me to create a really optimistic, optimistic vision for the time beyond being ill to, to now where I'm sharing on podcasts and where I'm speaking on radio stations, where I'm where I'm out there sharing my message. And this for me is like, yeah, I'm going to get to that stage. And it and 
it allowed me to rise up out of the facts of the situation, the circumstance that I could have absorbed myself in, to rise above it and see beyond it. And that that gave me so much faith and belief mm. that I would get beyond that. And that kept me from going under as well. I love that. Well, then you also have your support system around you, which is amazing. But I am curious of how you were able to shift the whole, your whole household. Because I have this conversation with women a lot that men are our leaders outside the home, right? In the material world, this is like, that's where men thrive. But our home is our place. Like we are the leaders of our home and especially energetically. So as a mom, I talk to a lot of my mom friends and I'm like, you are the one that sets the stage for the energy of your household. So if you are constantly living in the future, constantly living in the past, constantly stressed, constantly in fear, your whole entire family feels it and it's a ripple effect. And then it just is a feedback loop that happens. So how did you manage your family in that circumstance as well? Well, you know, when, when I was in hospital, I mean, up until, you know, you're a mum, you're a mum, right? You can't yeah, shift yeah. being a mum. It doesn't stop. Yeah. You don't stop. <laughs> you became, yeah. But when I was in hospital in those first few nights, I just got this, when I say about the, the drawing of the line in the sand in chapter two, and knowing that it was my responsibility and my opportunity to be able to create the experience from the inside out. I just got this real feeling like this is me as an individual now, not as a mum, not as like it was my individual responsibility to do that for myself. So I think I just had this kind of coming back to myself in that moment that then allowed me to be able to fully focus on what I needed to do to be able to move forward. And so I, I, I I feel like it's important to preface this and say that I had two teenage daughters if I had two little ones, it would be very different. I have two yeah. teenage daughters who are able to sort themselves out in terms of like getting their food and what have you. And they're very caring. And, you know, so I had people actually looking after me. I didn't need to look after anybody else. But I understand what you're saying in terms of the mindset still playing that kind of caring role and being the one who feels responsible for certain things. And I just had to let go. I just had to know, because for me, the priority, it felt so important, so focused on on, uh, my mindset, my thinking, because it felt like everything else was going to come from that. In terms of the energy I was giving out around that, everybody else around me was suffering. I wasn't suffering. They anticipated that I was suffering, but I wasn't. And even with like when I was in hospital, two days after it first happened, before I came, I was like, can you all go back to school, please? Can you go back to work? Can you go back to school? Because I had this inner knowing that everything was going to be okay because of That's the awesome. strong vision. But I was like, I'm going to be fine, you know, but not like in a false positivity that sweep this under the carpet. Yeah. I had yeah. this level of optimism, the optimism within me and the gratitude that I had for mm-hmm. the simple act of being able to take another breath, to come back from that edge of life moment, the, act, the gratitude and the optimism to get together became my guiding lights and I just aligned everything with them. I protected my mental health and put barrier, barriers up around them in that I only had 
there was like two or three people that I actually allowed to come and see me. Other than that, they went onto a group WhatsApp and my friend managed it because I just didn't, I was like, I don't even need anybody so coming awesome. in with a pity, like not, not they're mm-hmm. all well-meaning, all very loving, mm-hmm. any doubt, I just like, no, I don't even need to hear, oh, you must be feeling, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, no, protection mode. I need to protect my mental state and need to guard it and to nurture it to be what it needs to be for me to get through this. And that was how, how I did it. That's so awesome. And isn't it so crazy to think though, how everything literally happens, how it's supposed to, when it's supposed to. Cause just like you said, I have teenage girls, right? Could you imagine if it was when they were younger? You know, it's like things could have been very different, but they happened just the way they were supposed to. It's like you are, you were able to already have so many years of supporting them, of worrying about them. So now it was this like perfect time for the tables to be able to turn and for everything that you've taught and instilled in them, for them to now bring it to the surface and use it, right? Like, cause I feel like moms, that's like, you want to know that your kid is going to be able to be this kind, caring adult. Right. And then in that moment it was like, okay, well I have to check out of being mom and I have to just allow other people to be here for me and allow them to take care of themselves. And you just completely checking out of all that and being able to take care of yourself and having them being able to support you. in that is so amazing. You know, you saying that has also triggered back into me a, a memory and, and weaving it back into what I said at the beginning when I when I was like, I can't die. I have so much to teach and impart in my children. And I remember in the weeks between when I went home and my surgery and I, I was quiet and still a lot of the time because, um, I, you know, I still don't have full use of my hand and arm. And, and it's like physically I've been impacted by it. So at that time, I just had a feeling of a mass in my head, like a swelling in my head. I was on um, on what I was, uh, the drugs I was on, but also my days and nights got flipped upside down. I wasn't sleeping in the night. I was napping in the day. At night, I was having like these mad kind of outpourings of information, enlightenment. It's like these kind of crazy spiritual journey that I never anticipated. And I would wake up in the night, I would wake up and my husband would wake up next to me and be like, are you okay? After two nights, he realised I would just be lying there crying, smiling with joy, like gratitude, just crying to be, to be so happy for my life. And in those, going back to what I was initially saying, in those two to three weeks after I um, came home, my my concern about not having, being ready because I hadn't taught and imparted in my children, because I was still in quiet, I was able to hear. I was like, gosh they've learned that that sounds like me that's something I would say oh my goodness look what she's doing I'm so proud of her so that was was huge because it was like oh I never noticed or knew that you were at this stage and actually I have so my fears of like oh my goodness I you know they need they need this from me and I haven't but you know what it's about role modeling you know it's not about what you say to them as such it's about your life and them seeing your life and learning from you just being who you are. And that's amazing. I think we underestimate how much impact us role modeling and just being who we are has on the people around us. No, 1000%. And I think 
just from, you know, conversations with my family members and my friends that all have kids, I think you really underestimate how much they are watching and taking everything you do in and why it's so important to really live up to what you say. Like you said, it's not what you say, it's what you do. You know, you are literally leading by example. And I feel like that's super important to remind people of because then it kind of helps you get back into your body and into this present moment and really think about how am I going about my day-to-day life? Is everything I am doing that my child sees me doing, is that something I want them to do? And would I be proud of them, you know, having this example for them and then repeating it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I've definitely over the years as a mum felt that weight of responsibility as well, though. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, I don't want to constantly be a role model and be a good example. <laughs> you know, you're still you. You're still, sometimes you're like, oh, I just want to do this and do that. And I don't want to, you know, sometimes it can feel like a lot of pressure. And actually, you know, sometimes you just want to break free from that a little bit as well. But that's, you know, um, I, you know, but we're all human. We all make mistakes. And I think actually it's more about how you rectify and what you say after something that that is deeply impactful you know like oh mummy like when you have a moment where you're stressed out and maybe you like yeah you know say something in a snappy kind of way it's about how do you after that how do you go about about um you know apologizing for that and explaining yourself and they learn a lot more from that than you just always being perfect well the crazy thing is is that you talk about that in relationship to your kids, but that's actually a big determination according to like the Gottman Institute and things like that about how the quality of the relationship will be, whether it's a marriage, whether it's your kid, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a business partnership, it's how you repair. Yeah. Are you able to repair from whatever the incident was? Like what happened doesn't even matter. It's how you repair from that. That yeah, and that's, yeah, and that also goes back to yourself as well, isn't it? If you just keep doing the same thing over and over, you know, with my youngest, I know sometimes I'm like, you can't just keep saying sorry and do it over and over because no one's going to believe that you're genuinely sorry. It's kind of learning, you know, this continuous process of growth and learning about yourself, self-reflection, and actually, you know, what, where are your stumbling blocks and where do you want to be and how do you how do you want to get there what needs to change could be easier said than done and I think that's where you know working with somebody who actually can help you through those things is hugely beneficial because I know certainly prior to like having my coaching skills you know I have a coach now as well I don't I don't feel like I can work through everything all myself just because I'm a coach I also have a coach to help me to be able to see my blind spots and to be able to understand why I can't move forward in this area. And, you know, that moment where I said, you know, it's about quality of life, not quantity of life, and actually being present in the moment. And, you know, that yes, I knew that in that moment, but I still didn't know how when I come back to normal everyday life and I'm recovered, how is that actually going to become my future reality? Because in many ways, what I got told and being ill and this brain surgery, all of that stuff, was easy in comparison because I had certain tools in place and I was sticking to it. It was a brand new situation for me and I could be very selfish in that I could solely focus on what I needed to and I had a really strong reason to because I had this vision of wanting to share and help other people. 
it was easier for me and I knew it would be easier for me than coming back to everyday life with your family, with your learned behaviours, with your triggers, with your <laughs> personal triggers, with your personal things that you want to get past, your everything, your limiting beliefs, all the whole lot. The, everything that you've learned up until now, your subliminal subconscious programming that's there sitting in the background. And you, you, you know that actually I don't want to keep repeating this behavior or doing this and I don't want to feel this way, but I don't know how to change it. So for me, that's the power of having someone like a coach. That's the power of some, you know, if you go and say, this is what it is, this is what I want to have insight into. And it, they just help you to explore and give you tools and strategies to be able to, to, be able to move past that. And um, for me now, that's like, yeah, that is my, my real passion in life is helping people to be able to get that quality life and to be able to um, raise their awareness, help them have the skills and tools to be able to really, really be present in the moment when they want to be present in the moment and make the most out of it. Because life, you know, none of us know how long we, we have, but if you get to your end of life and know that you lived it, appreciated it, made the most out of it. For me, I don't know about you, I, I kind of fast forward and I think if that, if I'm at the end of my life and I feel like that, I think I would have spent my life well. Exactly. So I worked in the ICU for a while as a nurse and all of those lessons were massively impactful for me to spend a lot of time with people that were dying, right? Um, that were chronically ill, that were on their last days. I did do a lot of comfort care for patients as well. So I started their morphine drip and literally just was there from them with their with them until they passed away. And that was a huge thing that was like quality of life over quantity because, you know, <clears throat> what kind of life is another two months if you're going to be in pain and chronically in the hospital and on all the meds and all the things, right? And I'm like, that's not what I would want for myself, you know? And then even listening to the whole concept of like the regrets of the dying, right? Like I physically yeah. got to experience that. So that was a huge shift for me to not only start to be like, like they said, this, the, the awakening that happens for some people in layers for me, it's been literally happening for like 12 years, right. Yeah. In, in layers and in different circumstances of my life, we're able to bring different things to me and teach me different things. Mm -hmm. And that was one of them. And then I started operating in my personal life differently. And then I started, okay, there's gotta be something else outside of nursing. Once I learned those things. Right. And there's gotta be more. There's got to be something different. Like I didn't feel like that was it for me, but I didn't know what it was that was going to be it for me. Right. So I definitely became more conscious, but in terms of like the massive shifts happening, it was, it was definitely like the loss of my career moving, just really clearing the noise. I talk yeah. a lot about the stuff in our everyday life just being so much noise. And then like the shoulds, the shoulds, yeah. right? Like <laughs> I should do this or, or, or I have to do this. And it's like, but really you don't have to do anything if you don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. Nobody's over here like micromanaging and forcing you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, that shouldn't have happened. He should uh -huh. be doing Judge, it's judgments, isn't it? It's a judgment of yourself, of your situation or of others. You know, as you were talking there as well, I was just thinking about 
people who you know I talked about on paper I've got everything I need and um you know I think that especially in this day and age with lots of social media and and what have you and this whole celebrity culture there's Mm. this aspiration to want more have more money and what have you and and actually this misconception that when you are there that (laughs) your life will be like this and actually you know what if if you can be at any place in your life with any income level, with any situation, if you are able to have that equanimity that we talked about, Mm -hmm. to have peace amidst any situation, that is the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the peace, the joy. Those are the higher values that actually, like they just transform everything. And if you can find that in any part, you know, you can grow and cultivate that. You don't need to have money to do that. The amount of yep. free resources that are out there for us at the moment, you don't even actually need to read or listen to any podcast, book, anything. You can just literally start to learn from yourself. But we don't mm-hmm. give each give ourselves the space and time to be able to do that. There's so many fantastic resources um, and techniques that you can just go like you know in a child different things you can go back to yourself mm-hmm. talk to yourself as a younger self you can think about yourself as an older self and even coming down to like you know looking back at this moment in time you've got two ways that you can go which way do you choose just so many different tools and ways to to do this but you know we spend a lot of time rushing and also aspiring to rather rather than realizing that actually what we we are where we need to be right now we should or shouldn't be any different but actually there's so much we can do with exactly what we have right now um and finding peace within that i think it's just it for me is everything is absolutely everything oh my gosh that has been a like literally you're just describing the last couple of years of my life because <laughs> I left my career, <clears throat> sold my house, a lot of my stuff, and I started living the RV life and I moved here to Texas and I decided I wasn't going to go back to nursing. And so I've just been literally doing whatever I want. And it took a long time for me to be okay with not saying that I go do something, right? That like, oh, I go work here or I go do that because then it makes you very like not relatable. And I had to like get really comfortable with that discomfort that we project on each, onto each other. So I noticed that other people would be uncomfortable, like not really knowing how to connect with me because they don't know how to relate if I don't have a job anymore and I'm not married and I don't have kids. So yeah. it's kind of like the things that people grasp to try to connect with you. And then I just had to be okay with letting them be uncomfortable because I yeah. don't have to explain anything to anyone yeah. and my life doesn't have to make sense to anyone. Yeah. And that like, I had so much of my family and friends project a lot of money fear on me. And I was like, you know what? Even to this day, I'm like, I will freaking go broke living in my RV by the river. Okay. Which is funny. Cause that's actually where I live now. <laughs> I would prefer that than to ever go back to the chaos of the life I had before. I'm like, there's literally no going back. And now that I've created so much peace and stillness, I am like legitly ready for like, stop it. My dog's growling at the the gardener outside the door. (laughs) Um, I am ready to be on a piece of property, like out away from the city and to just be in so much peace all the time. Like I've created this peace living in an RV park, right? 
and I can do it wherever. Right. And we, we sometimes yeah. think that we have to be here and we have to go there. We have to have this before we can feel a certain way. And it's like, no, you can create that. What, whatever it is, gratitude, happiness, joy, peace, you can create that anywhere, anyhow, you just have to decide that's what you do or don't want. And you can't have it attached to anything. And I feel like our awakening process really is a detachment process. It's a detachment from everything that, sorry, they were like blowing right behind my window here. So it's a detachment process. It's a process of detaching ourselves from everything that controls us, yeah. everything that takes away from our peace, everything that we are allowing ourselves to be controlled by, yeah. everything that we thought we were. I mean, think about throughout your lifetime, how many people have like told you you're this or you're that, right? So then you kind of get attached to what people say about you. And once when you go through this awakening, all of a sudden, all that stuff just start, starts to fall away and you don't even know how or why, but you're so grateful because how much lighter do you feel? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think now, you know, now that, you know, to, as I said, to begin with, it was a challenge coming back into everyday life and normality and I could feel it creeping in and not knowing how to like, how, yeah, okay, this is what I know I want, but I don't know how to get there. And now it's just, I won't, you know, it's not, it's a work in progress. I haven't just gone from finding out how to yeah and now do it all the time it's a continuous continuous learning process of understanding what are my you know what are the thing the thoughts what's the judgments should shouldn't should whatever you know of the circumstance of other people of myself and also what are the things that I believe I have to do in order to feel okay to feel happy to feel like whatever it is for me it's always been like high achieving controlling and believe it or not actually victim has come up um in terms of saboteurs as well but not in this circumstance I, obviously in terms of um my diagnosis and what have you victim was nowhere to be seen um but but for me it's like understanding actually what are what are the things that um are sabotaging and stopping me from feeling peace that peace that i know i can experience and once you understand that knowing and getting to know those things knowing when those thoughts come into your mind and then challenging those thoughts or just letting them go and then just knowing actually recognizing it and then coming back to the moment is 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 super powerful way of like not investing into that but then coming into the present moment because that's all that we have is the here and now really isn't it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so tell me about how your family dynamics shifted after this event like your relationship with your daughters your relationship with your husband how you guys go about your everyday life how has that changed so I would say that more than anything, you know, I'm a big believer that it is our personal responsibility for our own happiness. So I've, you know, I knew that for a long time anyway. So now I'm very aware of being in the moment. As I said before, you, you know, before, before, I learned to control because of being a mum, because mm. of that was made me feel safe and secure. It made me organised, being organised felt so important because if you're not organised, the whole narrative so for me, the stories now, we ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me now, it's really. Um, I would say that it, the change feels much bigger to me than it does to them because you know we have our thoughts and what have you, and actually, 
what we think we project out we don't always so we might a lot of it's contained within our head and actually what we articulate is a lot less um and the story plays in our head rather than actually in reality so for them probably they might have seen me as a bit controlling but for me <laughs> I was like I am aware now of like how controlling and how in control I needed to be before whereas now I see that all lifting and changing so I guess that really in terms of our dynamic it's not hugely changed in terms of for them um but for me it's massively changed because I'm just on this continuous journey of really finding how do I how do I grow and change so that I'm able to continuously be aware of these different things they come to you right they're just thoughts in your brain that come to you they present totally. as thoughts and whether you invest into them and then decide to take action as a result of it is, become, is the choice. Whether you choose to believe it or not is the choice. So that's that takes time. You know, you're talking like, what, um, 20 years, me and my husband have been together, 20 years plus, because before that, obviously, those things were there for me in order. I learned them in my childhood in order for me to feel safe. So that was my response um, to feeling safe was I needed to gain some control in my life of certain situations. So it's unlearning that is going to take time. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of the peace that I now feel, I can access it much quicker. I can, um, I'm aware of it. I can access it and I know how to do it. But the continual practice of doing it is the bit that, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. I won't, I'm not going to pretend that everything is like, oh, magic and, and what have you, because these things happen. We all have people like, you know, someone dies, you go to a funeral and you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to, not going to take anything for granted anymore. And like, you know, a week later that you are taking things for granted or something yeah. happens and you think, oh, it's so impactful. You hear a really inspirational person talking. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But it, yeah. it, it dissipates, you know, the, the impact of it dissipates, but also the old you creeps back in because we like what's familiar. We like sports and it brings us comfort. And then those familiar patterns of, of ways of being, you know, they, they preserve energy. So we're always going to keep going back to them because they've worked for us in the past. So we're going to keep going back to them. Um, but it's only through enlightenment and through awareness and the desire to want to change and the continuous practice that we we actually achieve the change that we want to. Um, so, I, you know, I would say they would probably say, oh, nothing's really changed that much. But for me, it, it has hugely changed on my my awareness and, and what I'm doing about it is hugely changed and how I feel is hugely changed. Well, and I think something that is becoming more prevalent there's being more light shown on our roles as individuals in the world right now collectively and is i keep having this conversation with people where it's like somebody comes to me to talk to me about something and they think it is them in their bubble of the world of like me 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 <clears throat> i'm going through this but the crazy thing is is that we are all connected and everything is connected yeah. so it's generally a collective thing that people are going through. It's not just yeah. them. A lot of other people are, but just for their own reasons, right? Yeah. And so collectively, I feel like we're really coming full circle on or about what we are here to do, what we are here for, right? Yeah. And as like feminine, masculine beings, right? I feel like it is becoming more and more clear for us as feminine beings of really what our purpose is 
in this world and what we are here to do. And that's to take our freaking power back. And as women, our power is in our influence. And think about when we are out of our power, we are trying to control to get the power, right? Yeah. But the ripple effect that causes is it causes more pain and suffering for everyone around us, including ourselves. So our external reality is a reflection of our internal. Yeah. So if we are feeling so out of control, so out of control, it's finding that peace within ourselves that creates that ripple effect outside of us. And then we don't feel yeah. the need to control anymore because we are at peace with yep. what happens happens. And it's taking that duality out of it and stop labeling things as good or bad. They just are. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you put that absolutely perfectly. I do hundred percent agree with not labeling something as good as bad or bad. Reality is what reality is. Anything yeah. other than that is suffering. And actually, you know, bearing in mind that the, the reality of the situation, two people can see it completely differently. Totally. That is a really great example of actually someone's worldview is different to someone else's worldview. They'll walk away from it, feel something different and probably explain it very differently to somebody else. You know, and that, that worldview and everything that then goes on in someone's inner reality is the real thing that is, you know, that that's the power there is like, you know, anybody who's dissatisfied, who's suffering, not like me, you know, I'm not talking mega suffering, I'm just talking not at peace, not at peace, not really fulfilled, not content, not really enjoying life that much. It's like, you know, there's no need to suffer. And I don't think we need mm-hmm. to. And I think that there's so there's so many things that can be done to help that that situation again through awareness, through small small shifts and changes that can be changed and and the the purpose is because as you said and i 100 percent agree the ripple effect if it was mm-hmm. just you on an island but it's not <laughs> it then yeah. it does transcend and it goes the energy that's felt by other people and also your reactions your actions to other people and then they go on and do that to other people it, yeah it absolutely is we all all are connected i 100 percent agree so you had you had the surgery and did they remove the tumors so I was extremely lucky. For five weeks, I had uncertainty. After five weeks, I had my biopsy. I did surgery and I had the biopsy results back. And they, it showed that the... So I had... On this right-hand side was the larger one. On the left-hand side was the smaller one. After surgery, I had a bleed at the back of the brain. But after the surgery, they were, got right to the edges of, of whatever he said, my surgeon said, we've got right to the edges of it. We've taken it out. We sent it off for biopsy. And then the results came back and they said, we've had world-leading experts look at this. We were so convinced it's not a tumour. It's not cancer. We can't 100% rule out that the other one isn't. We can't 100% rule out cancer. We're going to continue to do lots of tests on you. Um, but it was an avocado-sized pit ball of blood here. I haven't been hit over the head. They have no idea why, how it's happened they said it's like a trauma it's like you've been hit over the head the one at the back of my brain happened after surgery but it wasn't as a rib they said it was my surgeon said that's not from your surgery that's at a different point in your brain we don't even know why this is happening to you so i i then went on for well i'm still undergoing testing now they still can't 100 percent rule out i've got a um, ophthalmologist is going to look for a rare form of eye cancer a dermatologist is going to look on my skin 
for me. Um, I've had so many MRIs, PET scans, MRA scans, all these scans I didn't even know existed. I've had so many um, different tests because they were so convinced and they really were great. They are great. They want to be really thorough um, and make sure. But they even today I had a call with my surgeon. He said, your latest scan shows no growth back into the surgery site. And which is really good, he said, but we're still erring on the side of caution because we still can't 100% rule out, say anything. Um, we need to still do um, periodic testing. So in another couple of months, I'll have another MRI scan again to go and go and keeping, they're keeping a track and a check on it all the time. But um, yeah, what I will say, even though, you know, thank goodness I don't have go under radiography chemotherapy anything like that mm -hmm. and as it stands at the moment no sign of cancer which is absolutely incredible but I would say that the resilience side of this and facing uncertainty for me has been a huge um, lesson and in in that when you equip yourself with the right things you can face anything like mm -hmm. for me this hasn't been a negative experience I've been really stable throughout I'd say in terms of my mental health I haven't dipped below an eight the whole time in a scale of one to ten because of the because of little things I put in place to help me the tools the strategies that I've used to manage my mind to create that vision to have like this raised level of self-awareness and understanding um, the optimism the gratitude that I've used as my guiding lights those things have just carried me through this whole time and, it, you know, it's it's just completely unexpected to have experienced it the way I have. I'm nothing special in terms of like, when I say that, I mean that these things are available for absolutely everybody. I haven't bought them. <laughs> I haven't got private healthcare. It literally is, they are available for anybody. And it starts with a seed of, I can go this way. This is going to bring yep. me suffering. I can go this way. This is going to bring me peace. And that's how it starts. And just having that observer's mindset to look at yourself from the outside in and go, I have a choice here. I don't have to go down the route of victim and suffering. I can be the victor and I can be creating my own inner world. And I am in control of how I want to experience this. Nobody else. Yes. And one of the, my podcasts that I released last week, a girl from the podcasting group I um, interviewed in it. I love how this is kind of all coming together where, you know, it's a lot of women too. So this is why I said the world is coming full circle of our purpose. There's a reason why women are the ones that can bear children. Okay. I feel like we are meant to come back home to ourselves, to have that peace, to have like really step into our power, which is our light to help guide other people. And that's where I said, our power is in our influence, you know, which is us being the example. And, you know, I've been accused of having like toxic positivity and I'm like, okay, if you knew what I experienced in my life before this, you would probably change your mind, but that's not what this is about. I just get to choose. I've been in some shit, right? Like I've had a very different life and I just decided that that wasn't the life I wanted. So I was going to be responsible for that. No one was coming to save me. Yeah. I had to change things for myself. Nothing yeah. changes until you change, yeah. you know, and we can point the finger. You know, I feel like a big thing that happens is we get on like on a healing high horse, right? When we 
first start going to therapy. We first start learning some things and then we start pointing fingers and it's like, well, you're the one that's this and you're the one that's that, but also not realizing why we are choosing to like stay in those circles. Right. Um, I know this is a thing with like a lot of women that they're like, oh man, it's so hard. Like all my friends are negative and they're complainers and all, and they're drama and this and that. And it's like, okay, well, why are you choosing to still be their friend? Because that was one thing I experienced because it was like, okay, well, well then I won't have friends, right? Where you have to be really comfortable with letting everybody and everything go first and then sitting with yourself and getting really clear on what you want for yourself and you want for your life. And then you make space for all the new people and new things to come in, but you have to let it all freaking go before that. Yeah. I think, you know, in particular to that, it's like a short period of discomfort because it's not comfortable when you, when you, you know, you break up being friends with someone compared to what they used to, but you know what? We probably overestimate how important we are to other people that are not our family really. You know, I think the story that we play in our mind around that is actually, um, probably much bigger than what the situation is in reality yeah, it actually totally. um yeah but I've definitely done that before and one thing that I had which I used which I thought was really great if you see the number come up or the name of the number come up on your phone of that person and it doesn't make you go oh yeah like yeah I'm gonna pick up the phone if it makes you go oh then go <laughs> then stop that right. it's not your person it's like the telephone test is like no I don't want to speak to them they're just going to suck all the time the energy and moan and blah 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 we all have our moments okay I've got friends who like you know and I've definitely done it before you're moaning but then you're like do you know what I'm going to shut up now because actually what I've done is moan and you know we call it offloading I don't know what you call it but we call it offloading I'm just going to offload but actually you kind of bring it back again in consideration for the person that you're with but there's definitely people I know that just will just suck the life out of everything like a fun sponge that will just suck it all out and and you know what there's people that you can be around that actually your positive energy will impact in a really good way there's other people that you can be around and it just they will bring you down and those are the people that it's just like because life is too short and actually the ripple effect again you're going to come away from that person and then how are you going to be into the people because you do you soak it in like you pick it up some people don't realize some people are more empaths aren't they where they pick up the energy of other people and they are aware of it more than other people I think we all do to a certain extent Mm -hmm. um but you're then just going to go and feed that on to someone else maybe your child maybe someone else you love or you're going to be snappy you don't know why you're snappy and you know you pick up the the energy and the the personality of the other person in my experience I didn't even know that was what it was. I see my daughter as well. She will pick up the energy of someone else. And um, yeah, not everybody has that. I do realise that. But yeah, I think that if they're not really, you know, we're supposed to net, like pick each other up and, and um, feed into each other in a good way, not drag each other down. That's awful, isn't it? But the thing is, is it comes back to that like self-awareness yeah. of, a lot of the energy vampires have literally zero self-awareness. Yeah. And that's when you have to acknowledge that this isn't the best investment of my energy and it means yeah. nothing against them. It just means that I I protect and care about myself first. Yeah. Like I love what you did in your in your acute phase of things where you're like, 
I am shutting the world out and it is so okay to do that. And the hard thing is, is then that's viewed as like selfish, but then it's like, but if I'm not okay, other people are not okay. So I need to be okay for myself and then other people like your family in particular, you know, it's like, I needed to be okay for myself and then in my immediate family, right? Like your sphere of influence is most important to you. So that's why it's really important to be very choosy of our sphere of influence, you know? Because like I said, like we, we project off each other and, you know, we're constantly giving energy to and from each other. So it's like, if we're not managing our own, what we're bringing in, then it's going to reflect on everyone else. Yeah. And that's draining. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, okay. What are some tips for other people? I was going to say specifically for moms because you're a mom. So, and I love giving, <laughs> I love giving um, moms tips, but for anyone who's listening to really start to shift their life, if they're having this realization that, you know, I'm really freaking miserable. What is, what is what the first like three steps that you recommend? So absolutely fundamentally at the start and center of everything is self-awareness, hundred percent self-awareness. So I would say a really easy thing to do is to give, just ask yourself, what am I thinking? What what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And then you can trace that back to where does that come from? Normally it's a thought. So what what thought has led to this? It might be a trigger of something around you. It doesn't necessarily have to be a thought. It might just be a habitual kind of pattern that keeps going and something gets triggered. But what am I, what am I feeling? What's caused that feeling? And just understanding, just getting that observer's perspective and looking at yourself and thinking, you know, if it's a thought that you, the feeling that you're not, is not bringing you like, any joy is not peace you know it's causing some form of suffering just question it and just think you know the the thought that came is it is it true is it really true and and replace it with a thought that actually is going to lead you to the thought the feeling that you want instead sounds so simplistic but honestly it's it really works it really works because over time you know you're you're retraining your neurological or changing your neurological pathways mm-hmm. because if you think about a, a, a garden and you're going from one side of the garden to the other one to the head to the shed or the garage as, as you might call it and you've got this trodden path all the time it's just you'd automatically just go down it all the time yep. it's the same with your your brain as you gets to a point where it's like that's just an automatic thought an automatic thought or automatic thought now to change it you change the route to the shed or the garage across a slightly round the garden instead of straight across and over time you, you're treading in a new path and the old path is able to to grow the grass again so it's no longer the logical route to take the other route is the route to take so it's like your neurological pathways are changing and then that's what happens with your thoughts and you start to just reintroduce a different thought that leads to a different feeling I would say that's such a simple thing Although I've probably made it sound more complicated than what it actually is there. Actually. No, no. I love that you okay. explain the neural pathways because I talk about, I, I've talked about before that basically our thoughts and our patterns create grooves, which are neural pathways. And think about when you pour water into a surface that has grooves, where's the water going to go? 
into the grooves that already exist. And the power of water is yes, it takes the shape, but it, it literally like creates new grooves if that's the direction you keep going in. And like you said, it can grow over and it can create a new path when you walk that path more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I would say that, that, you know, that level, that self-awareness, because we're so busy and often we think we haven't got enough time. I can't do this. I can't do that. Mm. The other thing that I would say is, you know, you've got your fundamentally at the, at the root of it, you've got your thinking, self-awareness, but also to bring more joy into your life. You know, mm-hmm. think about ahead of time. It does take some preparation and a lot of a lot of times. I'd, I'd love to say it's just spontaneous and we're all just like sound of music and just really like singing in the hills. We're not <laughs> because we have this. We we have things to think about, plan and implement because it's not just our life. It's lots of different lives that we're looking after. But also there's an element of flexibility within that because your kids might be sick or you might suddenly have to go off and do something else and plans change or what have you. So you need that flexibility. So one of the things that I teach on my course that I have more joy, less stress, is that you can implement moments of joy throughout your day that that are different um, time levels so you can have literally you have one minute you have five minutes you have 20 minutes or maybe you you set an intention to spend a whole half day solely on you and what brings you joy and forget absolutely everything else because the reality is everything else is still going to be there waiting for you afterwards anyway no no Mm -hmm. elves or fairies are going to come in and do the washing up for you it's still going to be there waiting but it's you know it's really what what do you want to create if you want to create more joy and enjoyment in your life then you know what what brings you that what because it's subjective you know what what Mm -hmm. might be lovely to you might be a nightmare to me and but just some thought around it um you know just then planning into the day write it down because when you write things down they're much more likely to happen when you schedule them into a diary and a reminder and in your mind you go don't let it go do it now (laughs) you know some powerful impactful words whatever you need to hear because well-being is so much around your needs what works for you it needs to be tailored it's your unique your wellness um package needs to be unique and how you get to that place is unique for you um so it does take some thought and consideration you can go down the road of doing you know a youtube yoga video or these different things and they are great there's so many great things but when you start to really think about okay yeah i want to spend some time doing a yoga video how can i elevate that into a really enjoyable experience have some essential oils dim the lights a little bit like have some really nice music just create a lovely experience for yourself and i just say that we we there's things available to us that we aren't yet seeing that's what i would say you're not yet seeing there's things and options available to you but when we get into that kind of fight or flight stress coping control mode we don't see anything else because all everything feels important apart from ourselves so um those are i don't feel like i've really done those two things justice i feel like there's so much more because there is so much more but maybe they will be helpful for someone yeah no definitely and I love this conversation in general for my podcast specifically because a huge realization that I had working in the hospital was how many people are just in this survival mode and in this chronic suffering. Mm -hmm. And when I had that realization that, holy shit, 
we actually have a choice. And our choice to suffer comes down to, do we want to avoid feeling discomfort or pain? And the crazy thing is, or it's like to ask ourselves what, what drives us, you know? And like you said, it's whatever's familiar. So to really have that self-awareness to ask yourself, okay, why am I suffering? Is it because I am continually choosing suffering because it's familiar or do I just literally have no self-awareness of that there's a choice? And honestly, I will say for some things in my life, I honestly did not think I had a choice, you know? And once I learned that I had a choice, I was like, oh my gosh. And it like clicked. And, and then I just kind of saw all these people around me who were living as if they don't have a choice. So that's my big message in this podcast and my mission in the world is reminding people that we always have a choice. And when you are in suffering, you are choosing it and people get real defensive, but it's like, no, you are though, because you are the creator of your reality and you are the only one that can change anything. You can't change anyone. You can't change what's around you, but you can change how you respond to it and you could change to be involved in it and you can change a different circumstance. So in my life coach school, it was always like the circumstance is always neutral And, you know, it was very, very rare that changing the circumstance is the answer. But sometimes it's one of those things where, you know, when you are just constantly surrounding yourself with people or you're constantly going to like, for me, it was my job, like going to a job that just requires a version of you that doesn't want you to grow, then that's never going to change. It's like you, you keep staying in the hamster wheel. So you get to choose, do I want to still be in that hamster wheel? Are there consequences to it? Yes. Was there a lot of uncertainty that came with that choice? Absolutely. But you know what? It's been officially two years this month of choosing this life. And I'm like, I wouldn't have done anything different. I mean, I feel like journaling is really, really powerful. And I never used to like to journal, but I was doing it because I was working with a coach, right? And this is where like you have your accountability people. So I'm working with a coach and I had journal prompts and things to be writing about. So then I ended up packing away that notebook. And then recently in the last couple of months, I was like going through a little basket of like notebooks and paperwork. And I found one of my old journals from 2021. And I was like, man, I am literally living that life that I was journaling that I wanted. You know, so it's really cool to like have those moments of stillness, Mm -hmm. of presence, to really be able to acknowledge how far you freaking come Mm -hmm. and to give yourself grace and to give yourself credit for the fact that you used to be there and you are now here and you could have chose a different path. Like for you, you could have chose a different path, you know, and that would have completely changed your family dynamics, completely changed your health in general. But you know what? You didn't. You chose the unfamiliar path. You chose the path that felt right for you. And now you're able to help others with that. And I think that is, that's why we're all here is to learn and then to 
help other people learn and to guide them. And especially as women, like I said, our power is in our influence. And how do we influence? By becoming the best versions of ourselves, by setting that example of not only what is possible, because man, I will tell you, women are resilient AF. Okay. When I first started working with my functional medicine doctor, you know, she does this whole like questionnaire of like your whole life, right? Like you go through your entire timeline of your life because everything is, everything is affected by each other. Right. And so she says, she's like, man, I will tell you out of all the years I've been doing this, out of all the patients that I've worked with, women are extremely resilient. Like hands down, don't even compare to like men can't even hold a candle to women's resilience. And so this is why I am in this place where I'm like, I'm really trying to help other women guide them and coming back home to themselves because that's where their power is. So then like, think of, think of hundreds of women that have gotten to this place of this peace and of this certainty and of this, like, letting go of control and letting what is think of how powerful that is. And the, the tsunami that that creates in the world. And actually, as you're saying that I'm imagining those women together, but I'm imagining it in collaboration rather than competition, because there's a lot of competition that goes on, but the collaboration of knowing when you're in that peaceful place, there, there is no competition. There isn't. Well, and that's, and that's also, that's a limiting belief though. You know, people that like say like, oh, that industry is, you know, saturated and this and that. Yeah. And like, you are just putting that limitation on yourself because they are not you. There's how many billions of people in the world? Okay. There is plenty of room for more damn coaches and yeah. more whatever you are passionate about, you know, yeah. and you will attract your people the more you stand in your light and yeah. you are that lighthouse to guide them and they will all find you. Yeah. Well, how do people find you? Speaking of that. Oh, um, I have a website in the UK. So it's incorporated with an I, not an E, incorporatedwellness.com. And then all my socials are on there. And um, perfect. Yeah. That's how they can get in touch with me for my coaching, my, my course, and I do motivational speaking as well. Perfect. I love it. I love it so much. Becky, thank you so much for your time here. And I hope everyone enjoyed it. And I hope you are feeling inspired and ready to go light up the world with your light because it needs you. Love you and see you on the next one.